Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Friday post-game edition of the Talking About podcast. I'm Sean Kennedy. With me on the line to discuss the Sixers' 137-125 win in San Antonio is Dave Early of Liberty Wallers. Dave, how are you? I'm good. It was another good win. Yeah, sloppy start in the in the very beginning as they had three turnovers in the first uh, minute and change and Doc called a timeout. And then, yeah, a few minutes before they made their first field goal, but eventually got it together. It was the bench that really sparked them in the first half and kind of led them to a 47-point second quarter, which was their highest scoring quarter on the season. And eventually, you know, big big run in the third as well to kind of push it the lead a little further and unfortunately it looked like the guys might get some some added rest but the third unit came in midway through the fourth quarter 20 point lead dropped to 10 almost immediately starters came back in not what you want to see but yeah we're going to talk about all that stuff um i think first the, the big story is probably Tyrese Maxey continuing to thrive in the six man role he had 25 points off the bench in just 27 minutes. Very efficient. 8 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, uh, 4 assists as well. Uh, was there anyone else that was happier to see the size and length of or- the Orlando Magic in the rearview mirror than Tyrese Maxey, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Maxey Maxi did not have a good couple games there. A 10-point game, you know you know that's stuck in his crawl, whatever the phrase is. Um I think that case got mentioned that that bothered him. So he wanted to come out with a vengeance, and he did. Really nice game. The seven free throw attempts I really like to see. The four assists and zero turnovers I really like to see. And obviously three of four from three-point land is awesome. Yeah, just playing at a different speed than a lot of other guys. And it it was even more obvious because the the starting group came out so like lethargic and and really just kind of looked like they're going to Yeah. <laughs> Just I don't I don't know what it was like. They had an off day yesterday. I mean, it was a travel day, but you know, going to San Antonio is not like you're flying out to the West Coast or anything. It's not a terrible trip. Um, I feel like it's the dold the doldrums of you know, like they can see the All Star break. It's like when you're you're at a nine to five and you're trying to make it to lunch, and your last hour before lunch you just lag. You know, you're like, oh, lunch yeah. is right there. I you, think just, you, you just start there. pulling up pulling up the menus on your computer. Like, yep. what should I get? <laughs> yeah, you maybe you text your friend, hey, I'm gonna call you when I get a break. I think that's where they are probably mentally and physically. They're probably pretty exhausted. Yeah. Um that that's possible for sure. But yeah, we're gonna talk about this later. But James Harden left off the all-star team. So a lot of people thought that he might have come out like just looking to show people like, Hey, you're, you're ridiculous for putting me, leaving me off the all-star team. And a lot of people expected a huge game from him, but yeah, not, not the case. I mean, he, he obviously only played 25 minutes cause they gave the bench a lot of run, but still just 16 points, eight assists, not, not really the assertive James Harden effort we might've expected coming in, given the, uh, the narratives of, of the day. I think if he were a 26-year-old star, you might have seen a little bit more of that. But at this point in his career, does he have to drop 50 on the Spurs to get your <laughs> attention? Like, what you know, what's he going to hold? What's he going to pull one of those out for? I think he's wise enough to say, 
let me third gear this game and uh, let's just get us the win. I'll, I'll prove my points at another date. Fair enough. Yeah, he he was clearly disappointed about not making his 11th yeah. straight all-star appearance. But yeah, he, he does have bigger fish to fry, so to speak, this year. And he... He he's looking for a title, um, I think. So, whatever. I'll tell you this: if he if he puts up like, you know, thirty and twenty in the Garden on Sunday, that'll be a lot more of a storyline than if he did that here against the Spurs. True. Yeah. Do it. Do it on the bigger stage against a playoff caliber opponent. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, from a Sixers perspective, that that comes to fruition. Um, but yeah, getting back to uh, the bench, you know. Aside from Tyrese, I think it was a, a really strong effort from the whole second unit. Um, George Niang had 13 points, hit three threes. Shake Milton, 14 points. A couple of really nice drives. He had the one where he kind of had the left-handed runner that, that just looked really smooth. Not something I've seen a ton of from Shake. Um, mm. And he had the, the N1 in the second half where he just drove really hard at the, at the left side of the basket, finished through contact. Um, just Shake continues. I mean, we were talking about this the other day. He's like borderline 50, 40, 90 season, kind of just not, not realistically going to get it, but the numbers aren't too far off. It's just like really impressive uh, efficiency from Shake. And he's adapted to his bench role after that stint as like the, the primary creator during the hospital Sixers days, but <laughs> great, great effort from him as well. Um, Trez Harrell, despite his turnstile defense a lot, had, had had some good finishes at the rim himself. And uh, Matisse was active. He had a couple nice drives and his, his usual two steals. Uh, him and uh, Tyrese had one of the, the more fun sequences of the game when they're in the second, in the third quarter when they were both out top. And Matisse had the, the steal, set it up for Tyrese to, to finish in the lane. And then the next time down, they forced yes. another bad pass that Tyree Scott. It was kind of like a pick six situation, and then he yes. he just pulled up from three um, on the in transition. So yeah, like like to see those two guys working well together. A lot of youth and speed in that in that combination. So good yeah, I love uh, that sequence. And then like the very next possession, I believe Niang hit a corner three, and that yeah. really and, that, and then we really started cooking with gas at that point. Yep, I think that stretched it to twenty, I believe. Um, and yeah, that kind of that 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 second surge from the the bench in the in the second half as well, just kind of put the game to bed. So yeah, great great to see uh, them enable the starters get a mo- little more rest. Uh, Joel played twenty seven minutes. Tyrese played twenty seven minutes. Those were the two highest minutes totals for the team tonight. So you know that's ideal, and uh, it was good to see Doc recognize how well the bench was playing in the in the first half and he just kind of stuck with them um because you know in the first half they looked better than the starters so why not stick with it yeah so. the the maxi matisse niang shake trez lineup i i was like i don't know if i trust these guys even against the spurs and then they just kept building that lead and kept building that lead uh and then deep into that fourth quarter somewhere around the seven minute mark doc decided I guess this game is over. Let me clear the bench, which went the other way pretty quickly. Um, the, the rights to Ricky guys were in attendance, right? I think the broadcast said there was like 400 of them there, there to cheer Paul Reed. 
So yeah, it was like, the the fly the process game, right? Yeah. So they did get to see B-Ball Paul. Um, not a great initial stint from him, as as you mentioned. They they bring the the third unit in, um, and it went from twenty to ten very quickly. Doc had to stop. It was a minus fourteen in four minutes, which was rough. Which is yeah, not not great. Um, and it he did come back in with like a minute left and get a couple of buckets, but uh, so could have been worse. But yeah, <laughs> minus fourteen in four minutes—that's pretty brutal. And uh, Dan Wellhouse was minus eight in seven minutes. So it was just a little bit weird because they bring in the third unit and the third unit completely implodes. I guess that makes them decide. I think it was a little bit early to be honest to bring them in. It was seven minutes. I forget what the lead was, but I was like, ah, oh, seven minutes, the Spurs, Greg Popovich, Brett Brown, they're going to, they're going to play hard. Um, <laughs> good to see Brett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I, I thought at one point Popovich was going to get himself ejected so that Brett could coach just so that would be <laughs> a very nice moment for him. Yeah. He did get the one tech. Uh, yes. So, yeah, not, not out of the question for sure. I thought, but... I thought Pop was playing some chess with that move. Yeah. <laughs> would have been a fun, second one. Would have been a fun moment. Um, but yeah, glad to see Brett back on the sidelines, of course. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you. I thought it was a 20 point lead. 19, all right, here, 19 point lead with 709 to go. Reed and House check in. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like a, it's it's a couple guys, and you still had Maxi out there, and Shake who had been playing really well. So it's it's not like like that's a just having Reed and House in there. Yeah, thing, things shouldn't completely fall apart. Like especially with sixty percent of a bench unit that had been, you know, probably the reason you're winning this game, at, at least as substantially as you are. Like that they'd been a great unit all night. So. I don't know. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have all fallen apart just because Reed and House checked in. So maybe definitely, just a, a definitely rela- shouldn't have. But because they've played <laughs> so so seldomly over the last month or more, it made me a little nervous. I thought it was just a little bit early to throw to throw it in, and then you have to bring the starters back. Maybe more of that second unit rather than the third unit could have actually closed the door if they if they let it play out a little bit more. Yeah, um, and, w- and then it was weird because when they brought the starters back in, they left out House rather than I think Maxi or Tucker. And I'm thinking it was Tucker. Yeah, was this not not to embarrass him? Like, how, why t- wouldn't you just Tucker? Probably just you know the old legs couldn't couldn't get revved up again. They they had officially shut shot. down for the night. He did take a hard shot to the to the leg. Maybe it was Pirtle who's got some like tree trunks. Um, so maybe that stiffened up on him or something. But it was just odd. You think they would have at least put in Matisse, who was like a game high plus thirteen? Yeah. Um, it. I, I don't know. I, I really didn't have a lot of problems with the decision. I didn't think it was too early. I think. I think they could have just. You, you got to do a better job there. Like that's your job is to not lose ten points of the lead in th- three minutes. You got to do. You got to do better than that if you're going to be a professional team. Especially so, if we want Paul Reed to play over Trez, right? Yeah. So did not did not help the case tonight with Trez playing <laughs> playing decent and uh, Paul Reed right. minus fourteen in four minutes. So yeah, not not a good day for the get out the mud folk. I'm um, caught. I'm caught between my criticized doc and cheer on Paul Reed uh, dilemma. So I have to pick one or the other, right? Yeah. So not yeah. 
I would say that January coach of the month for the Eastern Conference Stock Rivers pushed the right buttons tonight, but <laughs> it just didn't happen to work out. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll uh, finish up on tonight's game and then talk about the egregious all-star snub of James Harden. All right, and we're back. Um, probably the only other thing we should hit on is Joel Embiid, who led the team in scoring with 33, 10 rebounds, four assists. Just, I don't know, just one of those quiet 33-point games from Joel. I, he got to the line 13 times, as he's wont to do, hit a, hit a couple threes, but it, it never felt like, hey, this is just like a dominant Joel Embiid night. It just felt like he was kind of taking care of business and go, going about things within the context of the game. Um, I, it's, I, I think it's just incredible that you're like, oh, fine, like fine night from Joel, and he has 33 and 10, which is, you know, most guys it's a ridiculous his, line it's a dominant line and it's just his average yeah. and when you watch it you think this was his third consecutive game in a row where he didn't really look that good I mean, yeah. a- after that denver game he's kind of looked like he's been going through the motions a little bit i know he's banged up he's been he grabbed that sure. shoulder the one time during this game again and then it was a left shoulder this time is that that's the different shoulder than the one that's Cor- been bothering him right correct yeah yeah he, he wore a kinesio band on the right shoulder that's been bothering him all year i'm not sure we have all he said that i believe is it hurts or very very early in the season i don't know they've probably scanned it since since it has been bugging him all year but they haven't mentioned what it is yeah so then tonight yeah he had the he was driving and uh pertle kind of tried to take a charge with joel kind of lowering the left shoulder a little bit and uh, Joel drew the foul, but it looked like something happened where his his shoulder took a pretty big impact with the with the drive. It looked just like the one he did back in 2020 against the Cavaliers. Um, I believe he missed a couple games after that with like a sh- sore shoulder. So we'll have to keep an eye on that injury report. But this one didn't seem quite as bad because he played so much more. Didn't like seeing him come back in and what was basically garbage time and like diving around and there were a few moments where I thought he was continuing to not anticipate doubles and traps the same thing that Orlando was doing guys coming from behind him and he's just not seeing it whereas he had been seeing that in the prior 15 games so I feel like he's just a step slow right now after the big um you know if you if you're into narratives the big high of beating Denver yeah and as sore and everything as he is definitely a guy that could use the all-star break coming up to get a few get a few rust days um but yeah to your point joel my man there's there's 90 seconds left in a game you're up by double digits you do not need to like charge down the lane to go after an offensive rebound and and, like dive on the court in a flailing motion um yeah cut that out man (laughs) you said you don't want any more freak injuries well that wouldn't have been one that would yeah. have been an inj- injury you could have prevented for sure. Yeah, don't don't need to do that, my man. Um, I, I I love the hustle and the effort, but just a just something that is completely avoidable on on <laughs> yeah. your behalf. Um, all right, so good win for the Sixers tonight. One thirty seven, one twenty five. You know, not not they did what they needed to do. They took care of the basketball after the awful first minute. They 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 then went 
two quarters of only turning it over about two times, I think, combined in the second and third quarters. Um, good, good, good work by the bench. Get get everybody some rest. Um, and on to New York on Sunday. So, one thirty seven. Yeah, big one for sure. Um, one thirty seven, one twenty five win for the Sixers. So, a couple more topics before we go. First, James Harden did not make the All Star team, despite the fact that he is on pace to lead the league in assists. He's got a healthy scoring average as well while adapting his game and shooting more catch and shoot threes than ever. And he's hitting those at a clip of uh, just over 47% on catch and shoot threes this, this year. So willing, willing to incorporate new stuff into his game at the age of 33 and the second option on a team that's got a top five record in the league this year and leading the league in assists. Uh, I don't know. Sounds like an all-star to me, Dave. Yeah, I mean, they're only like, what, two and a half, three games behind Boston as it sits? Yeah, two, uh, so one one game in the loss column after tonight's games. One game in the loss column. So this, this narrative that Boston is this juggernaut, the disparity isn't there in the, in the standings anymore. If that's what Jalen Brown had going for him as an argument, I don't know. I mean, has he been definitively better than James Harden? I don't think he has. I know he's seen as a two-way player, but he's not the engine that's driving that steamship the way James is here. I wouldn't quibble with Jalen Brown. I think he's really good. But I think Harden at least has an argument over him that gets progressively stronger as you get into guys like Julius Randle. I mean, come on. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. Three or four games below 500. He doesn't produce more points for his team when you look at playmaking and points than James, and his team isn't winning. So what was the argument for him? Uh, Knicks fans don't even want to keep Julius Randle long-term. And and so, you know, you can kind of see where his value would be. If we were to, like, draft the NBA players to win a championship this season, none of us would pick Randle higher than Harden. So maybe it was a durability argument. Harden had a sprained foot and he missed games for some of these assistant coaches who vote. Maybe it was that simple. Yeah, but... he he's missed about 16 games, I think. He's played about 34 of the 50 that the Sixers had played coming into tonight. He's like, seventh in the MVP ladder. Come on. Yeah, that was the, 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 the updated MVP ladder comes out and he's seventh. But seventh. He, he's not going to be an all-star team. Uh, he's fifth in the East. <laughs> Yeah. Not even one of the 12 players. <laughs> yeah, it's a real head scratcher with some of the the all-star reserves that were announced compared to what Harden's doing. Over 21 points, 11 assists per game, averaging a career-high 39.4% from three. Um, his 44% from the field is his best in a couple of years. Just really, really having an excellent season. Like, yeah, should, should have been a surefire all-star, in my opinion. I would have had, if I could do it, I would have had Embiid in the starting unit. I would probably bench Kyrie Irving. And I would get Halliburton out there. I would get Bam out of bio. I wouldn't penalize this dude on Toronto for playing as well as he has because of their losses because Pascal Siakam has been awesome. And I wouldn't penalize Harden and Butler for missing the games they have because they're they're some of the best players in the East. So that's about how my all-star team would look. Yeah. 
it it, it was surprising not only because I think Harden deserves it, but because he has the pedigree and the the thing that came out is like, oh, these these coaches maybe they don't spend a lot of time with uh, thinking about it. Like they're not combing the tape of all these candidates and researching and the analytics that they've been putting up and the advanced numbers, like a lot of people in the in the blogosphere do. Like they're they're only thinking about their team and their next night's opponent, and that's about it. So these like you see that the tweets like they oh they spend like maybe less than a half hour, maybe five minutes, some of these guys thinking about it. So So maybe that's worse. If I well, was how, like... how does James Harden, guy who has made 10 straight, how, how does that, how's that at your default? Like, oh, well, Harden right. should be in there, right? He's been doing it for a decade. Uh, what, what are his numbers? 21 and 11? Yeah, sounds sounds like an all-star. How, so how did that you, not happen? <laughs> if you jumped off, like we used to play this game when I was a kid, you jump off the high diving board and get a trivia question. If I said who's better, Harden or Randall, and the first thing that popped in your head with no research was Julius Randall, we have we have an issue. <laughs> yeah, a lot of head, a lot of head scratchers with the yeah. the whole All Star process this year, um, from from Joel not being a starter to to James not making the team at all. But yeah, what what can you do? As James said, like he's thinking about winning the title, so disappointing. But he's got to kind of move on. Um, well, thank goodness we don't have to worry about him in the Salt Lake City nightlife. I just have to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, what is what is he going to get up to instead? Maybe that would have been a good <laughs> good way to curb it for That's the week. That's true. He's going to go to Houston <laughs> with Tucker now. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to get into some mischief. Um, <laughs> but maybe maybe he'll just uh, maybe he's got some wine business to attend to. Like he's he's got to oversee some shipments or something. There will uh, be wine business. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to finish up with uh, some news that came out this week that has to do with an Eastern Conference contender. Um, Kyrie Irving has requested a trade from Brooklyn. Deja vu, Dave. Huh? <laughs> We've heard this story double, before. Double deja vu because James Harden used this play to get out of Brooklyn. Kevin Durant tried it in the summer. They called his bluff. They probably enjoy that decision for a long time until this. And now it's like, well, do we call another bluff? and just throw money at him in the summer if we want to keep him? Or do we actually take him up on this and assume he's going to leave us for nothing and see what we can get? I don't think the cost-benefit analysis will be in their favor if they trade him. So I think they will not. I hope they do because it would be sh- it sure would be nice. We could quibble about their chances of winning the championship, but Las Vegas certainly thinks that they can. And I, I tend to agree with them. It would be nice to see this team finally blow up. They've been teetering for so many months now. Yeah, they're two and a half to maybe three after the standings update, but no more than three games behind the Sixers right now, fourth in the East coming in tonight. Um, So yeah, either either you're... I'm not worried about them passing the Sixers just because the KD injury, and we've talked about this before, I think they're pretty destined to continue dropping off a little bit because of that. But um, yeah, you you could be looking at a potential first round opponent, maybe, Ooh, or yeah, tough. yeah, it would be tough. But Kyrie going out, if it'd be hard to imagine a trade where Kyrie leaves and they get equal talent from an on court perspective back in a trade. Not so happening. yeah, it, I, it's either a we, we feel like he's going to be such a distraction that we're gonna we're gonna get rid of it and it's gonna be a a net negative from a basketball perspective, or he, they're just going to, you know, 
suck it up for a week, keep them around and say like, oh, well, trade deadline passed. Like, what are you going to do? And just kind of wet, try to weather the storm from there. And I feel like, I feel like that's what, what's going to happen. I, I, I don't think the trade's going to get down. What, you look what would at you, Ben what would Sim you put the odds on that he, the trade does happen? trading Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would estimate 17%. <laughs> <laughs> Just off the top of your head, 17%. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're not confidently just pulling numbers out of your ass, then what are you doing? Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, 17%. I'll, I'll go, I'll go 8.5%. Okay, Yeah. I, I I put I put our percents on Harris getting traded into an article, so I'm gonna I'm gonna average these in some future one. I think if you're them, you look at how poorly the Ben Simmons acquisition has gone, and you're like, "Well, Harden pulled this, and we traded him, and it stinks, and we wish we kept him." What are we gonna do if we trade Kyrie for like John Collins, and we're just trash, and now Kevin wants out? We can't do that. So. I think the move is you try to trade Ben. You look to use that Sixers 2027 pick, protected one through eight. If you need to, you see what the best thing you could get. If Ben has no market and actually you need to use that pick just to dump him, Tim Bontemps was estimated they might have to use picks to get off. And then you keep Ben, load manage him until hopefully he's healthy, and you shop maybe Joe Harris in that pick for another. And then if all goes well, you offer Kyrie a lot of money. in the summer and suck it up because otherwise Kevin Durant will definitely want out. I think that's what they'll do. Yeah, I think the reporting was it might take two two firsts to get rid of Ben. Like So they won't consider that. yikes. But but just the fact that that's even a reported market value or whatever, just really, really rough. All all hail <laughs> Daryl Morey then, right? yeah, he he definitely sold at the right time on that stock. Um and yeah, the way the way Harden's been playing looks like We got a clear winner in that trade, even if we we, we have missed uh, Andre Drummond and Seth Curry in Philadelphia. Maybe Um, we can get maybe we can get Seth back. Make the yeah, call. and Dr and Drummond is a purported target, maybe at the trade Bring deadline back for the the whole Sixers. gang, Seth and Drum, Big Penguin. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, That Seth. would Seth. that would be a gangbusters deadline if they got Seth and Drummond. I don't I don't really see a path to Seth with the the salary, but um. Drummond, uh, It I, would I think be that's like Matisse that's very realistic. Matisse's house in a second. Would you do that? But that's what you have to do to get Drummond, doesn't it? No, no. You Like could you have do to do you have to do like Matisse, right? Korkmaz in a second to get Drummond. And now Matisse, House, <laughs> and do you have any other seconds? A second in 2026 to remember, get. remember, remember when they had about a dozen seconds to to, to toss around? Now, Yeah, these, now these they damn maybe tamperings. have two. Three for George Hill, another couple for tampering. Yeah. And uh but if but if Yeah. Seth The the rest said to 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 sign Ishmith or to bring Ishmith back. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Colangelo. If if Seth said to them, uh, there's too much turmoil here, I'm going to leave you for sure, then it makes sense to shop him. And then maybe Matisse isn't the worst guy, because you could right away you could plug in Patty Mills, who's barely in the rotation, to arbitrage a little bit of Seth's shooting and then have a defender. I don't know. Yeah, and they did have interest in him last year. So, Yeah. yeah, uh, be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brooklyn. Um, even if it's not a Kyrie trade, I think they're they're definitely going to be. They got to do something at the deadline. Um, and they they as we talked about last week, they have a lot of uh, 
tradable parts just with the contracts they have and they have a pretty deep roster in terms of guys that other people might find intriguing to some extent. So Yeah, it makes sense for them to call Detroit, Utah. Yep. So it's going to be interesting with that. It's going to be interesting with the Sixers. Um, so Dave, we, we will not talk again before the deadline. So I guess we should say what we expect to happen. Do you think, do you think a trade definitely goes down for the Sixers? Yeah. I think they do a couple things. Yeah. I think they address the backup center. I don't know if it's going to be off the buyout, but I actually think they'll probably do a trade there. And I think that they will end up with a reserve wing, someone to some sort of facsimile for what Daniel house is and and a little bit of insurance since he hasn't worked out yet. I don't know that they've completely given up on D house, but I think they want someone else who might be able to do what he was supposed to do just in case he can't. So I think one of Matisse Niang shake might go and for sure, Korkmaz and Springer will be on that firing line, which also implies if you address the backup big that one of Reed or Trez is gone. Yeah, um, I agree. I think I think the back they'll definitely bring in another center. In my opinion, I think they'll use the Korkmaz contract and whatever else they need to to make it happen. I I, I see it like a Drummond type coming in. And then you think Reed's days are numbered? Um, I don't know. Hard to say. I feel like. They Who could wins, just keep Doc him around. Daryl, <laughs> Reed, Reed, or Trez. They, they, I mean, they could just keep him around as a fourth, fourth big. They've done, they've done it before. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see them shipping House out because he has that player option. So, is the team really going to want to the possibility of him picking that up and have him on the books for four million next season? Uh, not that that's a ton of money, but. I would I would think anyone that's trading with the Sixers for their end of bench guys would want it to be a definite expiring, um, which that's why Korkmaz's contract is kind of perfect right now. Well, he makes five million next year, and so oh. he makes five point three. That is true. He's even more than House. Okay, I stand corrected. Um, but but you would look at it as I'll pay Korkmaz or House four million, five million bucks for the 34th pick in the draft, if you give me that Hornets pick, because it's yeah. worth it to me to take a shot and develop a guy. If you're Detroit, you do something like that. Yeah, that's true. If somebody that isn't looking to contend next year, that is just still in asset acquisition mode. And uh, yeah, that, that 34th pick or whatever it ends up being, but should be a high second rounder. That's yeah, the uh, first five picks in the second round. We've heard this phrase bandied about for guys like Jared Vanderbilt of Utah, like the equivalent of a first round pick. You could argue that the 33rd pick is the equivalent. If that's where that Hornets pick winds up being. Yeah. And weren't, I, I feel like a lot of executives actually prefer it to the late first because of the, the contract structure and not Good being point. guaranteed. And you get to negotiate that in your, to your own advantage as a listen to us as an we're selling some team out there you hear this, everyone? <laughs> daryl are you aware of <laughs> i don't know Leon if you know Rose. what Leon a desirable you need trade, to know. trade asset this is um but yeah so jericho but, sims for that pick let's fax it in leon yeah it's it's the the, the very last thing in the pantry of what's become a bare cupboard of assets for the sixers <laughs> that's yeah, right that's that's it's still there but that let that last can um 
so yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I do think something will definitely happen at the trade deadline. Don't think it'll be a major thing, but try try to shore up that backup center spot, which has not been a strength for the Sixers this season. But I know Paul Paul Hudrick has his eye on the Novogod Sadiq Bay. Yeah, it's I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like how how much would Doc trust him? I guess he, I guess he's a wing, so he's like he could slot in the Matisse minutes. Um, he could shoot better. So yeah, because 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 the guard the guards the guard rotation once the playoff rolls around that's pretty much set. Like you got yeah. you got your your top three, and then Shake has been playing tremendous. So I feel like any eight to 10 minutes in a playoff game you need from shake you're fine. So that that's your guard rotation. It's already set. Um, so is, can, can Bay be the, the three for you? And like how, how many minutes do you need from, from that backup spot on the wing? Um, it's really fun to say his name in a sentence like that. Can they be <laughs> that? Can Bay do that for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love him. Uh, any bringing any old Nova guys. I'm, I'm, Hundred percent on board. Uh, oh, I love Josh Hart <laughs> and Jared Vanderbilt. That would be like an awesome, exciting uh, trade deadline for me. Yeah, uh, it seems like Vanderbilt seems to be the guy, like the pie in the sky guy that Sixers uh, fans are pinning their hopes on. Um, it's like when we liked Maxi, we're like, we're not, we know he's going to go 18th. He's not going to fall to 20th, right? Yeah. What a what a fortuitous drop in the draft, man. Yes. Think think about how much bad those teams' fortunes are because of that. Oh. And because Mike Muscala hit that three. So <laughs> Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, this has been fun. Um thanks for talking out this this trade deadline stuff and uh discussing tonight's Sixers win. Once again, that was one thirty seven, one twenty five in San Antonio. Um back back in back an official winning streak so two straight for the sixers now as they head to new york later on this weekend dave um where can everybody find you and your work online uh more importantly than that remember that a couple years ago in this game ben simmons had a walk-off tip-in game <laughs> game winner remember I did that in, in San i did Antonio? not remember that <laughs> i think it went to overtime too it was right around the same time of year uh i'm at libertyballers.com all my writings there I, I actually don't remember that. I, I think I might have blocked out a lot of positive Ben ugly, Simmons moments. <laughs> ugly, stressful game that should have been an easy win, and it ended on a Ben Simmons tip-in. Might, might have been a, a late game that I just didn't tune in for, maybe. Yeah, I, it was Saturday, <laughs> I believe it was a Saturday night, so you probably have better things to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, some, some of these West Coast games, I just I, I read about them, but... <laughs> I, I'm not staying up for every one of them, but yeah. Um, well, that that does it for us. I'm Sean Kennedy at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. As always, read all our stuff at Liberty Ballers. A lot of good stuff this week. I enjoyed. We had a really active week with everybody uh, speculating about trade deadline stuff and everything else. So be sure to check out the site. And everybody have a great week. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, go birds. Go Birds. <laughs>